Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody. Oh, you've done it. I can't believe you've done that twice. I cannot believe you've done that twice. That's not happened. Hasn't happened once this season and you've done it twice on the decisive night. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As always, I am your host, Connor Clancy. Finally managing to introduce the podcast. I've had some struggles because of the disruptive Kev Pogzelski, who is unfortunately here again. Kev, hello. Hi, Connor. Lovely to be here. Have you finished disrupting me? I hope so, yes. Right. Well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to try and interrupt you twice over the course of this podcast to restore some sort of parody and equality. We're also joined by someone who is always polite and never disrupts either of us. It's Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. Um, I'm feeling all right. I mean, obviously I could be a bit better, but how are you, Connor? How are you feeling? Uh, I know you've only asked that because I had a go at the two of you last week. And I d- deliberately didn't ask you how you were this week. So I wanted to see what you'd do. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right, Vito. Obviously, it's it's slightly... I don't want to say relieving, but we know who has won the title now, right? There's some of the suspense around the Serie A season, which has lasted for the best part of a year now, is is over because it was always going to be them, Kev. Juve, they've won their ninth in a row. It's their 36th. Yes, Juventus fans, it's your 36th altogether. But Kev, nine Scudetti in a row is a remarkable achievement. It doesn't matter who you support, right? Yeah, it's it's a um, it's a remarkable achievement on a on a club level. Um, I think if if you're looking at a league, I'd, I'd just be a little bit concerned with um, what it says about the league. Not necessarily the the quality, but um, where we are in a position for others to come along and challenge. Although that said, um, 
before we entered lockdown, we had a very tight title race, and then Atalanta and the others have pushed them to this uh, what third to last uh, weekend of the season. Yeah, that's promising, Novi. So that they're they won the league with only two games to spare. Oh, it's a good sign. Uh, we can talk about how, in a sense, the Bianconeri have, in a way, limped over the line or have had quite a few close escapes since the return of Serie A uh, in June. But uh, when you consider that there have been teams that have really had some good runs or good spells over this very long season, I think it shows that, you know, there potentially are some teams that can... Uh, know, possibly provide more of a fight next season if they're able to get some more consistent results or re-strengthen those squads even better because on any given day, I think there are quite a few sites that are capable of really being near the top or amongst the best in Serie A. But, um, yeah, again, uh, Juve's experience proved to be vital. Yeah, well, what I think is something you were alluding to there with the experience and adding needing to add more kind of touches onto where I wanted to go because they did this. They won this latest title, Kev, without Giorgio Chiellini for most of the season. And okay, Buffon returned, um, but obviously last season he wasn't there. This season he was there as a support role more than anything else. And if you look back over the last few seasons, they've also lost important players like Claudio Marchisio, Mario Mandzukic, Barzali, Lichtsteiner, and they just keep winning. That, like, culture that's so ingrained in the club, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. No, but um, unlike, uh, yeah, Buffon, Bonucci, Chiellini, those those players all stayed, and you look at it now, we expect Pjanic to be leaving. I'm not 100% sure that's been confirmed. That yeah, he's gone. That experience of, of sort of Scudetto winners, you know, seems to, you know, be let go at some point, whereas the others have stayed for, you know, sometimes well over a decade and sort of maintained that continuity. So it, it, it's a different type of experience if they've got to sort of recover that and, and keep it there. Um, I'm not sure how many of the sort of current uh, players in their late 20s would be there in their... Um, mid 30s so it'll be interesting because none of them have got that sort of connection that you you know you obviously associate with with Buffon and Chiellini and those players that we just mentioned does having Buffon just being there help oh uh, yeah absolutely I think if you um look just look just today um after Danilo suffers the the head injury which hopefully we'll talk about the ridiculousness of trying to keep him on the pitch Buffon is down from his seat talking to players, officials on the team. You know, he's clearly talking to people about, you know, maybe even discussing what they should be doing, maybe who's coming on when they do eventually make the substitution. And you've, you've seen that quite a lot this season where you, they've turned to him. It's not just being uh, sort of sat there uh, watching the game, you know, just going through the motions, happy to pick up another title and maybe even finally get the Champions League uh, winner's medal at the end of the season that he's been so craving. And um that uh, experience and contribution he's making probably is playing a part in their success this season. Yeah, and, and you look at, this is obviously Maurizio Sarri's first season in the job, Vito. They've, they've managed to win the title, which is kind of 
the least Juve fans would have expected when he took over. Um, but is there an argument to say that if Juve were going to slip up in the next couple of seasons, this was the year they do it when they were trying to adapt to Sarismo? Because next year they've got Dejan Kulusevski and Artur Melo already coming in who are more suited to Sarri's style than some of the players he has there at the moment. Um, so surely they're only going to get better under Sarri, assuming he's still in the job. Um, I would like to think that Juventus can get better with players that are more suited to Sarismo, but uh, Juventus do probably need a few more additions um, if they are to continue with Sarri. And more, in, and in particular, the midfield does need a good shake-up. The way you have played this season, uh, they haven't always been convincing, but the same can be said under Allegri. Juventus were pragmatic under Allegri, whereas here, Sarri has tried to implement his tactics, but uh, although they have got the results, the performances haven't really been forthcoming as such, and... Uh, I reckon, at least for their sake, maybe if they just put a weakened squad for the next two games, it's okay. But at this stage, I'm feeling pretty pessimistic about the chances against the French side because uh, Delict came off injured, uh, Danilo came off early as well, and also Douglas Costa, he's now out for the remainder of the season, and he's already an injury-prone player. So and Dybala, he too had to come off with an injury. So um, it's not looking ideal at this stage. And I think Champions League football really needs to be the ultimate for you. That's what they really need to improve on. And if they lose to Leon, you can talk about the circumstances. But I think uh, to be eliminated at the round of sixteen is worse than what Juve uh, did under Allegri. Kev, I'm going to come to you. Um, Vito has mentioned what they did under Allegri, and I'm going to extend that back to Conte as well. It's kind of a two-part question, all right? So stick with me. The The first part is is very, very simple. Where does this title rank amongst their, their last nine? And the second part of that is kind of something I've stolen from a podcast I'm a big fan of, which is the Spanish football podcast. Um, I don't know if any of you listen to it, but if you like Spanish football, listen to that. And it's, whose title is this? Because very often you see a title of one, and someone will point at a player and say, he's the reason Juve won this title, or sometimes it's a coach. Is this Sarri's, Dybala's, Cristiano's, Chesney's, or is, is it more of a collective thing? Okay, the, I'll answer the second question first, because I think it's the easiest one, because um, it, kind of a collective effort up until the point where we, we went into lockdown, they were, they were closely matched with Lazio, but then what's got them over the line? I think that's Paolo Dybala after we've come back. Really? You know, now whether that's... Um, I read something where they were saying um, that Sari had actually told Dybala to stop coming back so much to drop the ball this... Uh, to, to get the ball this year and actually go up and support Ronaldo. Now, if that's happened, then obviously Sari's had an impact on how well Dybala's, um, you know, done this year because he's been playing closer to goal. You know, it's been some, somewhat tactical. But I think for... Um, the sheer contribution to wins and maybe even some of the, the points that they've picked up when, say, losing to Atalanta um, have been crucial to that title win. So I'd say Dybala. Where, where we rank it within the last nine, um, 
I don't think you can rank anything above uh, the first under Conti when they came back because of where they come back from. Um, then probably the 2015 um, when they could have won the, the treble, but also um, Allegri. It was Allegri's first season, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got the season after that where Allegri had lost Pirlo, Pogba, Vidal, and there was kind of an, an evolution of the side, and they might have got a points total or something that year. You know, so many of these, we've seen so many totals now, they just sort of roll into one. <laughs> so, this, because of the challenges that they've had, um, because we've done it through a pandemic, because the obvious rear guard hasn't been there that they've had during some of those other total successes, and maybe we've needed um, different players to sort of Paul Juventus out and that's how they won a lot of games this year it's unlike Atalanta unlike maybe Lazio where it's been a sort of a collective pool as a team um, what's got Juve over the line this season I would say is individual talent at one time or another just one person standing out um, so so yeah I don't know maybe maybe fourth possibly sort of fifth in the, the, the last nine totals that they've won not bad then, right? I mean, if you're in a position where you're ranking your favourite title, you're not doing too badly, are you? I, I think probably because also it's Sari's first season. Mm. So, you know, you, you, I think people just expect that that's a given. But lots and lots of coaches over the years have taken on a total winning side. Well, not that many usually because you don't usually get sacked or walk away. But, but, but coaches have done it and then failed. Um, you know, for whatever reason, not getting on with the players. You know, you've got a big personality like Cristiano Ronaldo. You never know how he's going to get on with a coach. You know, he's seen plenty in Real Madrid uh, when he was there come in and, you know, famously Rafa Benitez was out the door quite quickly after he came in. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, it, it deserves a fair bit of credit, this um, this Scudetto. Agreed, agreed. I don't think you can take anything away from any team who, who win a title. Um, cup competition, Champions League, okay, a little bit different. But if you've been proven to be the best team over the course of 38 games and you've done that by extension over the last nine seasons, I mean, hats off. So congratulations from everyone at Forza Italian Football to Juventus and everyone associated with the club, fans, players, coaches, press people, everybody. Uh, remarkable achievement. We will, of course, dive into the Scudetto win a little bit more on the season review pod, which we will do after round 38 has been wrapped up. Um, but we do kind of have to move on just with the round 36 fixtures for now. Lazio, Vito, they they basically disappeared for a while. And then once they couldn't win the Scudetto anymore, they switched it on. They went away to Verona, um, one of the most difficult places to go in Serie A this season. They went 1-0 down. And somehow in... Pretty much everything they did was after the 45th minute. They scored five goals and beat Verona 5-1. Yeah, um, looking at the scoreline, it was quite a comprehensive win. And there were some nice goals. But, uh, of course, a bit of assistance from the penalty spot too. So I think that added a bit more to the scoreline. And that being said, I think uh, it really is a case of too little too late as far as the Scudetto race is concerned. But... At least for Lazio, given the team that they do have, and when you consider they are a team that really lacked depth, I think just for them to be in a Champions League spot for the first time since uh, 2007, um, for them, I'm sure they'll be more than happy just to 
get into the competition proper once again. Yeah, well, Alistair was big on that being their their big success this season, something that they were desperate to do. Kev, you are half smirking. Are you not willing to give Lazio credit for getting back into the Champions League? No, it was. Uh, I wasn't smirking for that reason. They can have plenty of credit for getting back in the Champions League. It was reminding me that I think um, some. It must be maybe Friday evening. I was sort of going through social media, and uh, somebody. Uh, sorry, I can't name them because I can't remember who it was. Um, put a picture of uh, picture of Claudio Latito up, uh, looking very dour, and um, I think the tagline was um, the look of a man who finally knows he's got to put his hand in his pocket because you've reached the Champions League. So whoever did put it up, it was very funny. And uh, we we shall see. Yeah. Do you think they will spend? I I, I was having this discussion um, this afternoon over lunch. I think it's going to be an extremely strange transfer market across the, you know, the entirety of Europe where um, someone's going to have to wait for another team to make the first move maybe to sort of start a domino effect of players moving because um, the, the whole pandemic has um, made it very strange for clubs' finances. On um, that, Kev, sorry, but <laughs> that's one of my interruptions. Um, but on a serious note, do you think that clubs will be hesitant to spend money almost more out of how it will make them look rather than it being because they can't afford it? I actually don't think it will be in the club's hands. I think it will come down from um, players that are probably not necessarily going to be released, but would usually move on, um, are probably unlikely to be able to request the wages that they would elsewhere. And, and it's more that the the power, the power, sorry, the power somewhat rests with the players. And if these clubs are able to move them on, I think if then your budget doesn't allow it, I think it becomes very difficult. Um, you know the only the only side in Europe we've really seen move with any money is Chelsea, but they they kind of had a they kind of had a two mm. transfer window ban because they chose not to do anything in the in the, in the latter one once they'd had their um their, their their ban uplifted and they're spending that money now, but it's it's not really being then spent by the other clubs that are taking that money in. So yeah, I don't know if it's necessary down to the down to the clubs wanting to maybe not look at splashing the catch or whether they, they don't know where they're going to get rid of the excess weight of their squads. Often we say that summers are going to be interesting based on us expecting and anticipating a lot of transfers. This year is going to be interesting because it's going to be new because there can't be the same level of, of transfers. Vito, Chiro Mobile did score a hat-trick. Two of them were penalties in stoppage time at the end of each respective half. But... He's taken his tally onto 34 goals for the season now, and there are still two games left. He'll fancy his chances to beat Gonzalo Higuain's 36 from a few years ago. Uh, I would expect him to because I remember when Higuain had to chase the previous record of uh, AC Milan striker Gunnar Nordal. Um, he had to score at least two or three for... For Napoli in that game, I think he scored six in the last two rounds that season. Yeah, so yeah, he he had to score bucket load towards the end to smash the record. Whereas Immobile has two games to just score two more goals to equalise it. So I think uh, that's uh, a 
strong possibility. And given that, you know, he does take the penalties, I think assuming Lazio get a couple in those games, I think he'll be more than capable of equalising or even beating that record. Yeah, well, they do play Brescia next, I think it is, and then they finish the season at Napoli, which, of course, for Immobile, being Napolitano, takes on extra significance. It would be quite nice for him to, to get the record in his hometown. Yeah, I um, well, I think it would be nice, actually, if he broke it next week and he can really extend it um, in, in Naples. Obviously, it's where um, Higuain... Um, broke the record with Lazio. Um, I, I I really sort of question what's going on with with penalties. And um, I know we discussed this before coming on air, Vita, about the last one, which I have no idea He's how... He's gone. Yeah. Sorry? <laughs> He's gone. I thought that message was of you. Sorry, Connor. I thought you were telling me to chat amongst ourselves. Yeah, sorry. So you saw it. You saw it, Connor. The last penalty, which was just nowhere near a penalty. And uh, again, something on social media I saw when we come when we um, when that was being discussed was the the increase in penalties this year. Um, and I, I can't work out because obviously we've had the dodgy handball calls, which you could argue the first penalty for Lazio, Lazio was exactly the same. So 10 years ago, the, the average number of penalties was just under three penalties a weekend, and that's gone up to five this year, although it was 3.21 last season. And I just wonder if that's the that's the VAR, the poor officiating. And I know you, you tweeted something actually earlier about Immobile uh, and Ronaldo, those goal-scoring stats about penalties, and they'd only be on 18. And it just seems uh, astonishing. I know they are penalty penalty takers for their clubs, but that they reach these figures with this increase in in strikes this year. I know, sorry, it sounds like I'm just sort of trying to take away from uh, a Mobley season, but what do you think? No, it's actually something I was going to raise as well because um, I did see a tweet. I cannot remember who it was from either, but basically the, the Capocanier standings without penalties would have Immobile and Ronaldo both on 18. And then there's like three players on 17 and a couple more on, I think, 16 or 15. So it kind of does show how tight it has been other than those penalties, which you'd like to see a Capocanieri awarded with penalties excluded. Penalties worth half a point. You know the way in the Golden Boot, different leagues are given different point systems. Maybe penalties should be given 0.5 in Golden Boot races. Or maybe even if it's that's that's the decider for mm. um, you know who sort of tips it over. I know they do something in the in the major tournaments now, don't they? Where if there's a draw, um, it goes on assists. But yeah, I don't know. It was uh, well, certainly a questionable uh, hat trick for a mobile under my yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of penalties in the Capricorn area, it was quite funny to see. Cristiano Ronaldo step up and thump one off the crossbar, which would have made it three for you, Victor. I did, I did laugh aloud when when he hit that off the crossbar, and I felt only just a little bit guilty for it, um, not overly so. But I don't know, Vito. What are your thoughts on the whole Capocannonieri race? Uh, Immobile, Ronaldo. Who would you prefer to see take it? I would uh, prefer to see Mobley simply because he doesn't play for Juventus. Uh, it's good to see a bit of 
a bit of variety, especially given what we've seen in the last 10 years. So for a non-Juve player to win something or get some praise for something is always uh, worth seeing. Last season, we saw Fabio Quagliarella uh, take the Capo Canoniere title and uh, Immobile has done it before. So I reckon uh, he deserves to add another one to his CV. Ex-Genoa though, Vito. You're happy with that, are you? Uh, well, everybody has the dark side, I suppose. <laughs> oh, he was a flop there, so he had right. to leave there to play better again. So. All right. Um, on to the other team in Rome. And Kev, I'm going to come to you first because Roma, they, they won. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to come to you for both of the talking points about this game, but they won. Um, although... Um, you were tweeting about this. You're not very happy about the way in which Roma won this game against Fiorentina. Terrible. Absolutely Boy. terrible. Just, the decision was almost as bad as the first 70 minutes of the game. <laughs> um, the first 70 minutes, largely nothing happened. I, I'll make notes when I'm watching the game. 30 minutes in, has anything happened? 40 minutes in, question mark. Then they get a penalty, which was, again, I'll, I'll probably argue that was a questionable penalty. It was a knee in the back of uh, Perez, but um, he didn't half make a meal of it. But the final penalty um, decision is where uh, Kolarov, I think, takes a shot, goalkeeper saves, runs loose. The goalkeeper does very well, actually, to get back on it, up on his feet. Um, and actually, the only thing I'd say he does wrong here is he's approaching Dzeko, who's coming in to strike the ball, is he leads with his feet. I think actually, if he leads with his arms, Jacko Jacko gets to the ball, you know, at least half a second before him, and, and gets his shot off, misses, hits the side net in, and that's almost the end of it. But for some reason, the the referee pulls him up for a foul on Jacko. Now, my argument with these collisions, and it's a little bit like when a winger sort of knocks it on and then just sort of delays for the contact. Not that Jacko did this, I must say. I don't think Jacko was actually maybe even expecting the penalty. But contact does not mean a foul, you know, because he's not impeded him getting the ball. He's not he's not stopped him getting a shot off. Okay, he's he's um, disrupted him taking maybe the shot he wanted if he stayed on his line. But from like two or three yards, I think that's entirely in the goalkeeper's right. And for the goal for the for the referee, sorry, to then just call it back and give them a penalty kick in any age, var age, you know, pre whoever organises the referees, shall we say. Um, it's just astonishing. It, it looks... You've made a serious point there, though, and it's something that's bothered, bothered me as well for a while. And I do think... I'm in favour of VAR, but I do think the, the addition of VAR has only accentuated this, what I would consider a problem, is that so often now, if there's contact, it's deemed to be a foul. And like you said, contact doesn't mean a foul. And then... There's like a next step, which is that if there's a foul, it has to be a yellow card. And that's not the way that it, the rules say it is. Contact doesn't mean a foul, and a foul doesn't equate to a yellow card every single time. And it does seem like, especially when the referees do check their monitor, like if there's a debatable penalty decision now, if a referee sees contact, they'll say, okay, yeah, that, that is a penalty now. And I do think it's slightly problematic. Yeah, and I think the rule, um, I think it's been brought in fully across Europe, it is this whole double, I think they call it the double jeopardy rule, 
where if you're given a penalty, it doesn't necessarily have to be a red card. The triple yeah, punishment, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's brought the automatic yellow card for a foul. You know, because, look, so um, I don't know if you remember the, the first penalty, the Verona penalty from Lazio. Yeah. You know, the, the, the defender's silly to sort of continue his run across, you know, where the player's cutting across him. I think you slowly run, let him go. But there's contact there. It's just clip of the hills. Now, I'm not sure if Felipe got booked for that because I didn't go really in-depth into the the, the, the the things from the game. But the, the refs now just automatically give a booking because in previous seasons, they would have given them a red card because they've given them a penalty because that kind of was what happened. And we've now got into a different situation, which is equally as farcical. Yeah, as far as I know, there wasn't the booking given out for that first one. But yeah, I do take your point. It is something that just seems to to happen now, and it's unfortunate. But um, Vito, this is a result that I suppose it doesn't really matter to anybody, does it? I mean, Roma are now four points clear of Milan, but again, does that make any difference to anyone? No, because the Champions League spots have been sealed up. Um, at this stage here, the Europa League is pretty much the same. And uh, Fiorentina, well, they're, they're pretty much safe anyway. So, yeah, it's just another game. You're just playing for the sake of completing the season and nothing more. It does seem to be the case, right? And you look at the the way some of these games are played. This was a, a complete example of it, right? With uh, Alistair McKenzie kind of tweeted that it was a hot day in Rome and everything, and that probably contributed to the slow start. But uh, I guess Vito... So does the fact that the games are getting less and less important and everyone's completely knackered from the heat and the recent like fixture pileup. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Yeah, well, I think just the way things are. Again, it's a matter of circumstances, the unique circumstances that we're in. Um, to play all these games at once and to do it in the middle of uh, Europe's summer, uh, doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete or not, surely that's going to be taking a toll on anyone. And uh, uh, I think uh, for a lot of teams, they're, they're feeling the effects. I was thinking about this over the last 48 hours. I've seen La Liga and um, the Premier League come to a close. Uh, the Bundesliga has already finished. Uh, but uh, Serie A teams, for those who are going to be playing in Europe, um, they won't have any respite. They've got to go straight in, especially Juventus, who have to finish the second leg of the round of 16 Champions League tie. So, yeah, it's uh, really a matter of consistent playing. And, yeah, I do have some sort of concerns about the Italian teams uh, heading into those European fixtures if they can sort of maintain their form. I don't think that matters too much, Vito. Um, I was listening to someone speaking about, um, I think specifically um, Bayern Munich, that actually the they, they obviously wrapped their league up a couple of weeks um, early, their league toy to up a couple of weeks early, and now they've got this gap, you know, and they've been sort of squeezing in um, sort of practice games and sort of friendlies to sort of keep their keep their hand in, so to speak. And actually, others have been saying, well, actually, continuing to play. So it's almost like a real season. So you've not had that gap and you've got, um, you know, your, your match fitness and your match sharpness and everything ready could play into the the hands of the teams that have been playing this late. I mean, when it comes into play, it's actually next year if uh, the Champions League final now is the 23rd of August. And if you're starting even in uh, the last or first, last week of September or first week of October, um, come say the last third of next season, we could see very very tired teams. Maybe if it's the teams competing in Europe um, this season are tired next year, you can get some very odd results. And maybe um, if we had a scenario like this this year, Juventus wouldn't be so lucky. Could be because they'd be um, dead on their feet. Kev, do you have a question for us? I, I did, yes, just on the Roma-Fiorentina game. As you said, it was uh, close to the end of the season. Nothing else matters. So Roma choose to uh, don their new home shirt for the first time. And uh, it was getting a lot, a lot of praise on um, social media. And I'm not sure where I sit with this. So it was just kind of your guys feeling on. I think the only reason it's getting praise, or and I particularly think it's quite nice, is because their other kits have been so similar for the last sort of five or six seasons. It's actually just nice to have a bit of a change. And I wonder whether I was just being an old, miserable, uh, sod as usual, Connor. Uh, well, you always are, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're always wrong. But with this Roma kit, I'm, I was like you for a while, you know. I, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. I did think it was being overly adored online. But now that I've seen it on the players... I'm, I've warmed to it. I do think it is quite nice. What I really, really like, and I initially didn't, is that the the colours that are behind the crest and the Nike tick, they continue around on the back too, which I think is nice. Um, it does mean that the name looks very, very high up, but I'm not sure Kev agrees with me on that, but I, I like the fact that it continues around to the back of the shirt. 
that was that was something I didn't like, but I'd also like <laughs> I'd also quite like a return to the white shorts and black socks, just even for a season. But that's me being a real traditionalist. You've gone too far. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Roma have always done nice kits, though. To be fair, under Nike, even when they wear their kits when they shouldn't, that blue kit that they wear is beautiful, and they've consistently had nice away shirts too. Well, with Roma, they do tend to have those similarities with the kits. Um, from what I read, uh, the new jersey that they're wearing for 2020-21 is similar to a design that they had for the 1979-80 season. So it's a bit of a retro design, this one, trying to make things a little bit different. So yeah, it's... Uh, you know, something interesting. Um, I probably might need a bit of time to warm to it because I have been so accustomed to what they've had for the last, say, 30 to 40 years. But um, they usually do have a nice uh, blend of colours, you know, the yellow and the red. So, um, yeah, I suppose it's always good to mix things up without being too tedious. Like, for instance, you're there with the Sienna-like jerseys. I thought to abandon the black and white stripes or the traditional ones was pretty bad, but uh, something mm. like this Roma one's not too bad. Actually, without going too far off topic, has anyone seen the latest uh, Inter jerseys or rumoured uh-huh. ones for 2020-21? I think yes. they're confirmed and they're equally horrific. Oh, yeah. Well, as I said in a Facebook group, I said as a jersey, I'd give it a 1 out of 10, but if it was a tablecloth, probably be an 8 out of 10. It's, it, it's something isn't it like it, it is strange it was kind of a week for people losing their minds about stuff that like shouldn't really be all that important and I love a football kit but the new Serie A ball Kev has also been designed and right everyone seemed to just decide let's laugh at this and nobody seemed to look at it am I missing something like why Why does everyone hate this so much, other than the fact that it might resemble a plastic ball? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I saw this, well, I didn't see the Serie A one, but a few weeks ago, they, the, the Premier League didn't launch the same ball, and it's got these really thick ridges in it. Um, and actually, the only, the only comparison then is the sort of design on it. And I think for the, the English Premier League next year, they've just gone with a plain black Nike tick. Um, you know, and we've got a splash of blue on the Serie A one next season. But I think, yeah, I think it's just the, the amount of sort of deep ridges in it that it, it kind of resembles, like you say, a plastic, not even football, but maybe volleyball. But yeah. to be honest, it's only when you're looking at stills like that on social media that you ever, you ever even realise anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, a few years ago, they had a great ball that was half pink, half white, and you could see the pink on it as it floated. I bought like, four of them just for messing about with in the park and that because it was nice but I don't get why people are lashing out at the ball I think someone popular did it so everyone joined in um, it's fine it's blue and white it looks fine just get over it basically um, what was probably the biggest game of the weekend on paper anyway was Milan Atalanta Vito finished 1-1 yeah, that's about it. Both teams look quite tired. Uh, they did, and I thought Atalanta in particular looked pretty tired. Remo Froilo, again, with another uh, solid performance on 
his part, uh, he played well. He still looked like he was more energetic than his teammates, but uh, couldn't really say the same about the rest of them. And I thought Hans Hutterball was probably one player that didn't really impress me as much as he usually does. So, yeah, that was a bit interesting. But, uh, yeah, in general, I was personally expecting more more goals from this game. I was probably expecting like a 3-3 or even something crazy like a 4-4 draw, but uh, was it to be? Uh, they have been the two informed teams since the return of Serie A, and uh, yeah, I think um, yeah, given the context, there isn't much left to play for, but they're still, they're still good size and they still deserve uh, praise for how they have played leading up into this specific game. Kev, Luca Antonini, ex-Milan fullback, obviously came out, I think it was Sunday, and said that if if he were in charge at Milan, he wouldn't touch anything this summer. Um, he'd only bring in a couple of experienced players as like backup people. But is that missing something? Are this Milan side, as they are, as a starting eleven, good enough to go one better next season and qualify for the Champions League? Um, well, the way they've performed after Pioli's come in, you could argue that that maybe with a couple of um, slight additions. Again, go back to what we were discussing earlier. I think the fact that there won't be uh, much movement uh, across a lot of Italy um, could work for them. And let's face it, they've 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 had summers where they've they've kind of had widespread changes whether that's being um, buying past it mediocre players or focusing on youth that haven't quite come good yet. So maybe sticking with what they've got and two, maybe three minor additions, but that that, that experience and quality will um, be of huge benefit. There was someone at Milan who was very, 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 very happy um, this weekend. Kev... I hope you've seen this because I brought your attention to it on Twitter, which is Pepe Reina, who has, I think it's fair to say, completed a successful transition from professional athlete to professional cheerleader now. He, he's obviously on loan at Aston Villa, and they stayed up this weekend, and obviously, as he did with Bayern Munich, as he did with Spain, Without ever playing, he was leading the celebrations in the dressing room afterwards. Yeah, it was uh, it was a funny video. I've got a lot of time for for Pepe. Um, I was luckily lucky enough to find myself um, in an airport waiting lounge room coming back from Barcelona um, a few seasons after he joined Liverpool, and uh, he was an absolute gentleman. Um, but um, you know, when you're you were talking about some of the experience that Milan want, you know, that was that was someone where you thought it, it was probably not beneficial to them because Donnarumma is still very young. But um, everywhere he's gone, it, it, it's less that he's that there are there are backup goalkeepers that kind of sit in the shadows and have never really been good enough to be number one. Whereas I think with Rayner, it was an issue that. Um, I think the likes of Graham Hunter have written about this, where he was just kind of either the wrong generation or in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, if you look at who he's had to sort of sit behind, um, they've been some of the, the the best goalkeepers of their generation, if you just name Casillas and Manuel North. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 
Good to see him do that. I don't imagine he'll come back after his loan. He must be 38 now, I think. I might have a year on him. Um, but yeah, and no, I made up for the lab. All right, moving on. Um, I should say, we do have a new game this evening that we will get to very, very shortly because we're going to fly through the rest of them. And I think Kev's going to struggle with the new game. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Kev. Um, but Napoli beat Sassuolo 1 0. Um, despite conceding four goals, or at least thinking they conceded four goals. But Vito, again, I was left confused a lot this weekend, and this is another example of that, because everyone seemed angry that Sassuolo were robbed of four goals. But correct me if I'm wrong, each of the four goals were correctly disallowed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was watching uh, the game, and I had to do the report for this uh, 2-0 victory. And, yeah... um... I think in all four cases, they deserve to be disallowed. So um, on the first goal, the linesman called it right away. He disallowed uh, Juricic's first goal. And then for the other three, the referee Gianluca Aureliano, he had to go to VAR. And VAR in both times uh, made the right call. Sassuolo, unfortunately, were offside in those positions. And... uh, uh, yeah, again, I think uh, this is where the worst parts of social media tend to manifest itself, you know. Just that I think a lot of people just want controversy or they're just looking to be outraged for the sake of being outraged. It's just so much negativity online and uh, not enough people are willing to call a spade a spade. you got to forget hypotheticals and circumstances. Just look at the incidents for what they are and... Uh, Unfortunately, the calls against the Nero Verdi were more than justified. And it is a shame because that actually, you know, the movements for all the goals were actually pretty nice to watch. So hopefully in the next game, they can actually stay on side, the goal stand. And, and once again, they can maintain the reputation of one of uh, culture's entertainers. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um Genoa lost 3-0 to Inter, but the story from this is not that Romelu Lukaku scored a brace. It's that Alexis Sanchez proved again, Kev, that he is one of the best players in Serie A post-lockdown. Yeah, and I think I said um, a couple of weeks ago just uh, that he finally had a break um, from sort of consistent summers and, you know, maybe the, the lockdowns allowed him to train a little bit more. Um you know, less intensity, you know, to focus on sort of recovery as opposed to sort of getting himself ready for the next game. Um, and he, he he's maybe playing for his future. Again, something yeah. I did last time. It does seem like a difficult situation for him, obviously, because his wages are astronomical as well. Um, would have been hard to afford before a global pandemic that's had financial implications as well. So it remains to be seen what happens there. Um, what happened elsewhere? Parma came from behind to win at Brescia. Dejan Kulusevski, a little bit of a mention for him, Vito, because he's been doing it all season and he did it again at Brescia with a stunning goal with what is frighteningly enough his weak foot. Yeah, it's a scary thought. He's a natural left footer, but the way he curled in the winner was absolutely sublime. Um, Quite a few goals this season. I've already compared some strikes from other players to being in that sort of vein that the likes of Del Piero, Roberto Baggio and Gianfranco Zola 
would score, you know, where they're on the left side of the pitch or near the penalty box on the outside of it, and they would just curl it into the top corner. Uh, Kulusevski scored another goal in that style, and yeah, it was an absolute beauty, and yeah, another excellent goal for the youngster, and probably for Juventus's sake, I'm sure the Bianconeri fans uh, can look forward to what he might offer them next season. Kev, Bologna beat Lecce 2, or 3 2, rather. Bologna were 2 0 up. Lecce came back to 2 2. And then Musa Barrow won it in stoppage time for Bologna to break Lecce hearts. Lecce are now four points off Genoa. There's only two games left. It's not looking good for the Pugliese. No, because actually Genoa looked quite good against Inter. It looked like they could have snatched a late equaliser uh, and sort of pulled further away. And But after they lost that, there was a real opportunity for Lecce to, to do something. And, I flipped over onto this um, just as uh, they were tossing the ball into the box. I think they, I think they were too uh, concerned with trying to call for either a foul or a handball, and then Bologna went down the other end. Um, goalkeeper makes a, a decent save, but then it's cut back to Barrow, and you, you could see Liverani. I think he was throwing um, t-shirts, jackets, whatever it was, something that he had in his hair down, or um, in his hand down almost kind of knowing that if they could have just got it back to three points again. So, um, you know, they could probably overturn Genoa, but I mean, that possibly was their last chance, particularly because um, Bologna have been so sort of lacklustre, not necessarily a terrible run of form, but just look like they've been treading water until the season's over. Yeah, it, it does very much seem like the case. Or Vito, sorry, do you give Lecce any chance of staying up now? No, I'm very pessimistic about Lecce because there have been times where the opponents haven't looked overly tough or they have been direct rivals, but they haven't taken their chances. And uh, since Genoa had beaten them a couple of rounds ago, um, I've come to the conclusion that uh, the Salentini don't really have enough in them to really have a chance of survival. I think... um, Fortunately, we're just seeing the Grifone limp over the line once again. Yeah, it does seem like the case. In the other remaining games this week, we're not going to talk about them because why bother? Cagliari lost 1-0 to Udinese and Spalterino played out a 1-1 draw. Those games had little impact anywhere on the table, both involving already relegated. No, one of them was involving an already relegated side. The other game was involving two sides who are very much safe already. So... We're on to the new game, guys. Um, the the nameless game, the nameless guess who game, is currently the title is currently resting with Mister Mister Doria. Okay, he's three one up, so that's just the way it is, Kev. You'll, you'll have to get over it. Um, you'll be happy to know that in this next game, nobody wins or loses. Okay, you you cannot win or lose this, Kev. It's, it's purely for entertainment. And we do have to actually say thank you to a listener who is called Daniel Hansen because he emailed in with a recommendation for a game. And I very much liked it. But Kev, you look confused and I've not even started to explain what the game is yet. It doesn't bode well. What's wrong? No, I, I've got a way in which we can have a winner or at least a draw. Okay, Be- well, how, how do you want to implement that? Hang on, shall we? Can I explain the game to the listeners first? Because this means nothing to them until we do that. So basically, my job as host is to choose choose any game from the past, basically, 
I will tell the players, i.e. Kevin Vito, the two teams involved and when the fixture was played. Kevin Vito then have one minute per team to name the starting 11 by discussing with each other. And we'll see how that goes. It's a big, big test of their memories. You will see that Kev is a fraud and Vito's knowledge is impressive. I hope. If not, I'm sitting here with two frauds. But, yeah, I think it's quite straightforward. We will see how it goes. Very much experimental end of the season stuff here. We'll, we'll see if we're going to carry it over to next. But, Kev, what's your way of implementing competition to this? So, how I read uh, Daniel, wasn't it? Daniel. How I read Daniel's suggestion was that we, we got a team each, and then whoever uh, correctly named the most players... Uh, of the two sides or from okay well look we we can do that we can do that but then it's unfair because one player will have more time than the other well I thought say say whoever's winning say Vito's winning he got the choice of the side because you're going to give him the side and the date Uh, he gets his minute to try and name all 11 players and then I get my minute to try and but there you go just okay right so because Vito's winning he chooses first and the person who chooses first gets to choose the team they want, so then the other person has more time because it's not there. Okay, right, fine. We'll try that. We'll try that. So I'll give you the fixture and a little bit of background so you can think, but because of the dynamics of this podcast, I'm going to need the two of you to sit in a way where I can see both of your hands because I don't want any typing on computers. Um so, Kev, thank you very much. You can obviously write using pen and paper, but I do not want any Google searching. I want you'd, authenticity. You would hear me typing on the keyboard, and Vito, for me, is frozen, so I don't even know if, where he's got his hands. Well, I can see you both. I can see you both. Okay, so, um, Juve have just won their ninth consecutive title, so I thought it was fitting to go back to their first. So, we're going back to February 2012. Um Quite a controversial fixture because Juve went away to the reigning champions, AC Milan. They drew 1-1. You guys might remember this as the Sulimontari ghost goal game. Um, very, very exciting stuff. So the Have teams... Player. I've given you a player who played at some point. He might not necessarily have started in the game. So, Vito, do you want to choose Milan or Juventus's? Starting eleven. Ooh. Um, look, I'll go with Juventus because I can pr- remember that easier. Okay. Yeah, so well, I, I would need two will... minutes for Milan, even for that season. <laughs> okay. Well, you have a timer that is starting in three, two. <laughs> well, no, it's not starting in three, two, one, because I've not got the team up right now. It's starting in three, two. One to name the 11, go. The 11, okay. So I'm going to go Buffon in goal. Yep. Um, my defence, I'll go Barzelli, Bonucci, Chiellini. Correct. Um, midfield, um, Licksteiner, Marquisio, Pirlo, Vidal, um, Esti Garibia. <laughs> Correct. Oh, wow. I guess with that last one. Uh, up front, I'll go Matri and Vucinic. Okay, so your final score is 9 out of 11. The two missing forwards 
were two pod legends, actually, Marco Borriello, Marco, Marco Borriello and Fabio Quagliarella. So there you go. Kev, you've got nine to beat. And yeah. you've got to name the AC Milan team from the back end of the 2011 and 12 season. Vito named his in 50 seconds. And he got nine. So how are you feeling? Not confident. Okay, well, your minute is starting in three, two, one, and go. Okay, I'm just going to run off the names I've written down. So, Abiati. Okay, yeah. Barte. Okay. Nesta. Okay. Zapata. Okay. Antonini. Okay. Oh, who's the other lad? Muntari, obviously. Okay. Uh, Boateng. Would Ronaldinho have been there still? Rubino, Pato. Okay. okay. Um, and I'm thinking of someone that kept going back and forth from Genoa. You've got to... 25 seconds, so. Yeah, I'm not going to get any more. Ibrahimovic wouldn't have still been. To put Ibra down anyway. Oh, would, would Balotelli have been back there then? Yeah, no, that's me done. It's, oh, I think it's because it's 10 seconds period. to think of the guy who's back and forth from Genoa. Oh, um. What position does he play? Midfield. Okay, what number did he wear? Uh, I don't know. Oh, was Walter Beersa then? Time off, time off, time off. Uh, Walter Beersa went the following summer as far as I know. Um, Right. Go on. Kev, you you didn't do too badly. You didn't do too badly, but you didn't beat Vito. You got got six points. So I'll name the Milan team in full from start, from back to front. Abiati Abate Mexis, Thiago Silva... Antonini. Okay. Antonio Nocerino was the midfielder who I think you might have been thinking uh, of. It no, it wasn't. Mark Van Bommel, Sully Montari, Erby Emanuelson, Alexander Pato, and Robinho. That uh, was the 11. So, there you go. Vito, draw- just for, for good measure, uh, Vucinic and Matri came off the bench for Juve, as oh. did Simone Pepe, if everyone remembers okay. him. Okay. <laughs> Off the bench for Milan, Ambrosini and Stefano Shirawi back when he was a, a young un. So Jeez. interesting, interesting oh, stuff. Oh so Vito God. wins the first game by a score of nine to six, which Kev, you did better than I expected. You know, yeah, particularly because it was the Milan era when they were just they become mediocre from pretty much that season, hadn't they? Yeah, just... this was the last season when they were competent. Yeah. Um, now it's they went in the peak banter era, Milan. But uh, there you go. What are your thoughts on that game? It's going to be a night which, which Milan general player I'm thinking of. I'm so glad I didn't pick Milan because I think <laughs> I, would have, I would have got about five or six as well. Man. I can't believe you got well, it. Yeah, well, he went to some of the year later, so that's probably why. And probably one of the best games of that season, in my opinion, uh, 2011-2012, was a 3 all draw in Naples between Napoli and Juve. And I think Estigaribia got one of the goals from memory. So hmm. that's stuck in my mind. So He went yeah. to Atalanta for, after Samp, not immediately after. I think he was with Chievo before he came to Atalanta, but he didn't do all that He much. did the rounds. Yeah, he's like yeah, one of those. Andrea Bertolacci. Oh, that was long uh, before Battle I think. Yeah, that's who I had in my mind. I think. I mean, yeah, that, he was at Lecce that season. 
Mm. I think he probably comes into my when I think of Milan and mediocrity. <laughs> That's not very nice, but not necessarily wrong. Um, all right, so you guys get to decide. I don't know which game to continue. We'll we'll see what happens on Wednesday night. I quite enjoyed this because it meant considerably less work for me once I picked the team. Um, I didn't have to keep noting things down. So, any other business? I got given out to by one of you last week for not asking if you had anything else to say. Uh, no, I, I I don't think so. I'm looking forward to Wednesday. Are you? No, not really. <laughs> I was going to say, have you got plans? <laughs> um, no. Well, that's I, nice. Yeah. No, it'll be lovely as always. Well, there you go, listeners. That's how highly Kev thinks of you all. Um, direct your tweets to at rabbit rabbit on and leave me out of it. Vito, say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Mr. Pogjalski, say goodbye in Polish. <laughs> <laughs> That's offensive. <laughs> goodbye. I should probably really know that. You ciao, should. ciao, everybody. Portaci dove vuoi, verso le tue conquiste, dove tu arriverai, sarà la storia di tutti noi, solo chi corre può fare di te la squadra che sei. Come un abbraccio noi e ancora non ci basta Ogni pagina nuova sai, sarà ancora la storia di tutti noi Solo chi corre può fare di te quello che sei Solo per te
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 